0: visiting a friend in jail There were just two women on the scene at the time Neither one of them saw bother both of them were well in They said it was a natural situation He reached too high and tumbled back to the ground But well,
1: it's too late to bring him back. Too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Too late to bring. Welcome to the Rhythms Podcast, I'm Brian Wise, the editor of the magazine, and fading into the background there is Bob Dylan and the song Too Late, an outtake from the Infidels album from the recently released Volume 16 of the Bootleg series, Springtime in New York 1980-1985. to which is the subject of our conversation with Michael Goldberg, former editor of Rolling Stone magazine, founder of the Addicted to Noise website and noted author, and Stuart Coop, music author, broadcaster, and senior contributing editor to Rhythms magazine. But before we discuss the box set, let's hear Stuart and Michael tell you about their encounters with Bob Dylan.
0: I got an in-person in in Auckland, which was quite a a strange. It was me, Elliot Roberts... And Bob Dylan sitting at a table together, wow. and and, uh, and 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 a Bob that didn't want to talk. And wow. then I got him on the phone in '92, and he just wouldn't shut up. Wow! And that's where he that's where he said to me, "Do you know Brett Whiteley? Uh. You know, on on that album of Brett Whiteley's." Mm-hmm. Yeah favorite songs, there's Dylan's voice saying, hey, do you know that Brett Whiteley, you know, and uh. so I thought once, only once in my life would I be able to call Michael kind of like an Australian Andy Warhol meets Roy Lichtenstein type figure and say, hey Brett, I was just talking to Bob <laughs> Dylan and he said to say hello, so I made that call. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I met him once, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, this this was at Live Aid and this, uh, this manager had snuck me into this party after Live Aid was over, they had this party. So at this party was like, you know, you remember when Live Aid was, so so members of Duran Duran were there, Jimmy Page was there, Keith Richards was there, Mick Jagger, Dylan, uh, the guy from Miami Vice, one of the pe- actors in Miami Vice, because that was really popular then. Anyway, so So i was working on this cover story for rolling stone so i wanted to open the story with this scene as soon as i got there i knew this was so i had to get quotes from the different you know people who were there but i couldn't do it like i couldn't go up to them and say hey you know this is my michael goldberg i'm from rolling stone i'd get kicked out you know so so what i did was i would go up to you know keith richards say and I would just say something like, that was quite a set you guys did. Wow. You know, and then he would say something. And then, you know, I try to get a couple of things back and forth. And then I would go out on the balcony and I would get my notebook out and I quickly write down what whatever it was he would said. So I did the same thing with with Dylan and um, got, you know, I got a couple of quotes. I mean, it was it was nothing significant, but it was just enough that it worked in terms of me setting the scene and having Dylan say something and having Richards and Jagger and, you know, and so on. That was my one, one actual uh, encounter with uh, Dylan.
1: (laughs) I don't have any, anything that I can add add to that. That's for sure. But Michael, we're going to talk about springtime (laughs) in New York, the bootleg series volume 16 and uh, who better to talk to about a Dylan release than, yourself. I I know you weren't exactly keen on this era of Bob's work initially, but this bootleg series might have changed your mind a little bit, I think.
2: Well, at the time, I mean, meaning the end of the 70s and the 80s, I mean, I was just like, I was kind of, in a way, I was heartbroken. I mean, because Dylan had meant so much to me when I was a teenager, you know, in the 60s. And and then going into the uh, the 70s, even though I didn't think Blood on the Tracks was as good as Blonde on Blonde or Highway 61 Revisited, I thought it was great. I loved it. And, um, you know, I had what I had heard of the I had all these bootleg albums, so I had a bunch of, you know, tracks from the basement tape sessions that I thought were great and John Wesley Harding and all that. And just sort of moving up into the, even, you know, like, you know, I I just felt like Dylan was still making, making albums, good albums. And, uh, and then Dylan goes hardcore religious and it's like, how can this be? I I couldn't believe it. And, I mean, slow train. You know, musically, I I kind of liked it, but I didn't like the lyrics and um, to to the songs on that album. And that's when I started getting really disillusioned with Dylan. And really, by the time we're we're getting to um, I don't know, Infidels and and uh, some of the Empire Burlesque, I I had just written him off. I mean, I would I would give the album a cursory listen, but I just you know, it just wasn't working for me musically or in a lot of cases lyrically and so it really wasn't until i guess oh mercy when i sort of i felt like okay he's kind of back in the pocket again um he's he's doing some good you know some stuff that i can i can relate to so so really i mean that oh mercy was like getting getting up in the 80s by the time that album came out so really that that decade I, I just wrote off. I, I really wrote it off, and and still like going back and listening to um, to some of those those albums. It just uh, you know, it's not like I I listen now and I go, oh oh, I just didn't get it back then. They're great. They're not. But that was what was so surprising by this album because he recorded all this great stuff, and then the stuff got when it actually got on the album, it was it was just they messed it up. You know, they did. There was too many tracks, you know, stuff was overdubbed or you know, it just it just didn't work but but you go back and you listen to I mean you listen to what's on, you know, these 5 CDs and I would say 7 at least 70 80% of the 5 CDs are songs and recordings, you know, that I really like listening to and and get a lot out of. And then there's, you know, a smaller number that are just fantastic. It's kind of like another self-portrait. In the sense, although when I was a kid, I liked self-portrait. I mean, most people didn't, but but I liked it. I mean, but clearly, when you listen to another self-portrait, I mean, it's on a whole nother level. So that's how Dylan is. I mean, he's just recording so much material. At least he, at least that's what he was doing. I, I don't know at this point in time how that works, but but certainly back then he would record so much materials and sometimes you know multiple takes and all of that. And um, and so you know we've been lucky enough to uh, to get to have all that material released and this album I mean or, or it's not an album it's a box set I mean I don't know if it's track for track as good as another self-portrait but it's definitely for anyone who's a serious D- Dylan you know Dylan fan I mean you have to have this album I mean there's just so many songs on it that uh, and versions of the so- of songs that you would want to hear
1: it's interesting the musicians he plays he's got fantastic Fantastic bands on these tracks, you know. <laughs> yeah. Mark Knopfler who people sort of I think always underrate and Sly and Robbie and and people like that. I mean the musicianship is terrific on most of the tracks, isn't
2: it? I mean Mick Mick Taylor. Mick Taylor you yeah. Know? Uh, yeah, no, I mean Jim Keltner, Tim Drummond You know what I mean? It's like, yeah.
0: And I for me, I think it part of the reason, Brian and Michael, it took me a while to realize just how fantastic this collection is, is like you're saying, Michael, because I didn't listen to those records that much at the time. And I certainly um would be lying to say that every couple of weeks I go back and listen to those <laughs> records. So it it actually I had to actually pull them out again and play them to get a perspective on just how amazing a lot of this material is and i think it's the same i'm like you i i i liked self-portrait a lot when it came out the the bootleg version of self-portrait was like a complete revelation but there comes a point i find with a lot of these recent bootleg series where you just have to shake your head and go what were you thinking Yeah, to because you know and you wonder whether he was willfully bringing you know including inferior takes of songs on albums or whether there were other figures around him who were convincing him because there are, as you just said, there are so many one after the other, after the other, after the other versions on springtime in New York, which by any stretch of the imagination, you have to think up a vastly superior to what was on the, the original albums.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, we'd have to, we'd have to ask Dylan and I'm sure he's, you know, one, he's not going to talk about it. And two, who knows where he was at, And and even right now, who knows where he's at? Maybe he hasn't even listened to those albums since he made them. I mean, I've I've never gotten the impression that he's he's sitting around listening to his old records. I mean, it's just that's just not the kind of you know, that's not who he is.
0: The other thing I found was a revelation was the the first disc of um of rehearsals and just the I mean the performance quality. And I guess I never really I know it's not in the rehearsals. I kind of never thought that I'd, I'd hear Dylan singing Green, Green Grass at Home. Uh, but I kind of never expected that I would hear him sing actually such an engaged version of Sweet Caroline, for instance. Yeah.
2: Well, I, the, I really love his version here of Mystery Train, for example. Hmm. I think that it's just so raw and, and just it's, it's just perfect. In my, in my opinion, you know, and I also really like First Slippers, which is obviously funny, but it's but musically, it's terrific. I mean, my favorite song on the whole set is Too Late. And I mean, really, we we're getting three versions of that song, because even though it ended up being renamed, the lyrics are very similar. Foot of Pride yeah. was sort of what that what it became. But really, those are I mean, it's three versions of the same song. And I think the acoustic version, for me, is, is the strongest of those three, and that's the one that he recorded first. I mean, the lyrics maybe, maybe got better as time went on, but just as a, you know, as a performance, that acoustic version is just beautiful.
1: Rolling Stone some years ago ran a, uh, an article or a feature on great tracks on bad albums and they chose new uh, Brownsville girl from Knocked Out Loaded, which isn't represented here. Yeah. but uh, just reminded me of uh, many of the songs, even on some of the songs, even on albums of Dylan's that are sort of critically not acclaimed, are still, Great songs, and you find that here. And see, I, I come from the point of view where I loved Slow Train Coming. That's one of my favourite Dylan albums. And so, and uh, and also, Michael, being a Catholic, I didn't want to completely dismiss his religious period at this time. You know, because have that Catholic guilt if you do. So I was more inclined to accept what he was doing. And uh, the other feature, of course, are the songs that he reco- recorded. You get on here and other box sets. Then he never uh, put on his studio albums, which was just incredible. You could make some great albums out of just those songs, couldn't you?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, we've, you know, ever since you know Blind Willie, the other version of Blind mm. Willie McTell came out. I mean, I mean, it just seems like a lot of people were saying, how could this not end? Have ended up on a official album. You know, I mean, it's some people think it's his best song. I mean, I wouldn't say I mean, I love that song. I don't you know, it's it's pretty hard. I mean, I, I think you could say his best 50 songs or something, you know, I mean, because there's like probably 50 or more songs where each one of them is just as good in its own way as the other. So, you know, it's not like with with Bob Dylan, it's not like he's got like one song that's that's his best song.
1: Well, Red uh, River Shore, which he never put on an album, is one of my favorites. And there's an incredible version on, on one of the Bootleg series of, of that. And you, you listen to that song and see how could he have possibly left it off an album?
0: And, to- and also, the, the other thing which you um, you mentioned in, in your review, Michael, and, and you were quoting Grail Marcus, you know, with New Danville Girl, that he, he, he seems so incredibly engaged in that performance. Yeah. You know and 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 again it's the question of why did that not make an official you know release like
2: that i'm just glad that we we now have it you know yeah yeah exactly (laughs) i mean it's it's um i mean a friend of mine was sort of cynically sort of talking about you know how they're like putting out all these releases and you know making a lot of money you know from them and i don't look at it like that at all i mean i look at it like we are so lucky that they decided to put out all these albums to like go through and and deal with all those tracks to put together i mean really these you know beautifully beautiful sets with with great photographs and i mean it's like sure they're making money so what though i mean it's like we have the benefit of all this music that you know for for anyone who's listening who's a serious dylan fan i mean i think people who are serious dylan fans completely get it don't have any don't question at all you know that we're at the 16th bootleg release not at all and just hope that there's going to be another 16 you know (laughs) have you heard michael any
0: speculation as to what might be next
2: time out of mind time out of mind time out of mind yes yes well that's just that's what people have been talking about. I don't know if that's the case or not. Uh,
1: Hey, Michael, can I just follow this up? You were talking about these releases. Is there any musician anywhere who is better at marketing their old material and i don't just mean putting it out because the rolling stones do it and and lots of acts do it but packaging it up and presenting it i don't know whether dylan himself is behind it or he's obviously his management would be but what he does with these it's really exceptional and it sets a benchmark that a lot of artists just don't reach
2: yeah i don't think there's anyone else i mean neil young has um you know those those sets that he mm. he did, you know are, are pretty cool. But you comp- there's sort of no comparison because here we we are at number sixteen, right? And you can go back to pretty much any of those, and they're great. They look great. There's you know in most cases there's multiple discs. Um, it's not just like a cons like you know like this this new Neil Young um, Carnegie Hall concert is that, that's a that's great. It's a great set, but that's a whole different thing than when Dylan when they put out the Rolling Thunder review mm. set. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't I don't think there's I don't think anyone else is is doing this. And I mean I would I would credit Jeff Rosen, his manager, mm-hmm. because Jeff has been I mean he was a he was a fan of Bob Dylan before he was his manager. And he just really seems to um to have been doing right by Dylan uh, you know or doing right for Dylan, you know, for years and years now. And I, I just think he's, you know he's kind of overseeing these things and then they're getting really good people to um to put put this stuff together and to you know, from the music to the to the books to you know the whole deal, the whole package.
1: And it's amazing to think that you know probably diehard Dylan fans, like the three of us, for example, have probably spent more than fifteen hundred dollars of our money on these D- Dylan box sets. Yeah, something you don't want to think about, isn't it? Buying all the stuff all over again, some of which you well, already had.
2: Well, I mean, I'm lucky enough that in most cases, yeah. you know, I've gotten review copies of these of these albums. Yeah. So you know, so that's one one area, one thing that I haven't had had to do. But yeah, I mean, that is that is an issue. I mean. When all those, uh, that set that was um, you know Highway 61 and Bringing It Back Home and, and Blonde on Blonde, I mean, that set was really expensive. It was, it was multiple hundreds of dollars, as I recall. And I worried about the fans when that one came out because everyone want, would want, you, you wanted all that music. I mean, even if you already had a lot of it, which a lot of people, you know, did have, have a lot of it in various forms, you, you wanted that. So I, I did feel, um, feel bad about that, you know, feel bad about that. But it seems like most of the other ones have not been that pricey. You know, I mean, five CDs, with this is like a hundred something dollars, yeah. right? I mean, so $99 or something like that. Right. So, I mean, so that, that seems, I mean, given that there's like, you know, given the whole package, that seems that seems pretty fair. You could
1: get it here for about 95 Australian which is what 70 American so that was you know it seemed quite reasonable for the package that you get. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: I guess my question is who buys the the truncated double CD? versions and I I looked at the I looked at the track listing for this and it's kind of like really weird. I mean a whole bunch of the stuff that I'd really want off the deluxe one is not on the you know the the cheapo and I kinda go, who's the in-between fan who doesn't want to shell out the money for the the real deal and but still is engaged enough to buy someone's version of of the best of
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: I don't know. I mean, I don't
0: know what to say. We, know? Don't know those, we don't know those people. <laughs> you know. In
1: the, I mean... in the meantime, Michael, we've seen Shadow Kingdom, Bob Dylan's streamed performance the other month. Is he working on something else? Do you think, suspect that we had the album last year, Rough and Rowdy Ways. He's announced his tour for 2021 to 24. So I assume he's going to make it out to Australia, we hope. Do you think he's working on another album right now?
2: I, I have no idea. I mean, I really, I have no idea. I mean, it seems like they're putting out one of these bootleg albums every year. Mm. So, so there's some, something is going to come out that sort of keeps him out there in that way. And um, yeah, and then he's going to, he's touring. So, but, but I really, I I don't know. I mean, I thought the shadow kingdom thing was great. Mm. I mean, I, you know, I, I really, I liked it. I managed to, um, to make a, a recording of it so that I can go back to it and, um, you know, I mean, I think they should release it. They should release it as like a DVD or a Blu-ray or whatever. That would be really cool. But I mean, it was um, it was great. He sounded he sounded great. I mean, you know, the musicians. I mean, the whole thing was. Yeah. I mean, it was it was really like it was a real it was a powerful statement in the sense that here he is, all these years later. I mean, and and obviously people who have seen him, who were you know seeing the the live shows or some of the live shows, you know, knew that, you know, he was working with like great touring musicians and that he had in for, for, for many years now was doing a really, was, was doing really good job with performing, a, you know, much more recent songs that were, that are great and, and all of that. But it just seemed like this uh, shadow kingdom was um, it was just like, look, here's Bob Dylan 2021 and he's really great look how great he is, you know? And that's, you know, I mean, who else is there from, from the sixties who is as good as Dylan is now? And, and I mean, not just performing their old sixties songs, no performing relatively recent material. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing.
1: Is he the first 80 year old musician to announce a three year tour? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, that's, that's the definition of optimism, isn't it?
2: Well, I well I hope so. <laughs>
1: yeah. Hey, Michael, thanks for talking to us. It's been great to catch up. No doubt we will we will uh, we will chat next, uh, hopefully soon. <laughs> I'm sure you'll come up with some good leads for us uh, to just chat to someone in the near future. Cool. Bye. Take care. Yep, bye. Okay, bye. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Michael Goldberg and Stuart Coop about the latest Bob Dylan box set, Springtime in New York. You can read Michael's review at the Rhythms website, rhythms.com.au, or in the November-December print edition of the magazine, which will be out on November the 1st. Michael will have two books published in 2022, and we'll let you know about those on the website, and we'll talk to him again soon. Thanks for joining me on the Rhythms podcast. If you want to know anything about the magazine, just go to rhythms.com.au.